Football players are complaining that their coach is going too tough on them, a quarterback who should never have been drafted in the first round, and a wide receiver who is finally paying for his crimes. This is the Rival Fantasy Sports Podcast. Let's talk about it. You are now listening to the Rival Fantasy Sports Podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Rival Fantasy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Maligno. I appreciate you for joining me as always. Today, we have the three hottest topics in sports. They're actually all NFL-related topics. They're all football. I mean, and of course, we're getting close to the season, so this is going to happen more and more as other sports are just not either not playing or just not hitting the headlines, whatever it may be. But this week, it's all NFL topics. We also have the fantasy shows that are going to be starting up soon, so it's going to get real heavy into football. So if you are watching this episode right now, and you're not subscribed to this channel, but you love football, you love NFL, you love fantasy sports, you love fantasy football specifically, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Don't wait. Don't miss out on an episode. Go ahead and lock it in now. Turn on the notifications so you don't miss an episode. This way you get all the advice, the waivers, the trade advice, all that kind of stuff in as soon as possible. We'll also have an episode coming up very soon for, actually, I'm going to go live with it. It'll be a live episode of a NFL fantasy mock draft. So if you want to go ahead and catch that, that'll be happening this this week, some point or next week. But you, if you follow us on social, you'll see the post. I'll also post it on the YouTube uh, community tab. So you'll see it there. But again, you got to be subscribed or at least following on social to see those things. Um, and then other stuff we'll have coming up as well. If you're into fantasy football and you're watching this show for fantasy football content, feel free to drop a line either in the comments or on one of the social platforms and let us know if there's any particular information you want us to, you know, release every week, whether you want us to discuss, you know, trade advice, waiver advice, rankings, uh, start sits. If there's anything in particular that you guys really want, I want to make sure that we're definitely covering that. So go ahead and drop us a line. We're totally open to any suggestions and feedback, whether we just start a segment on it, whether we dedicate a whole episode to it. It doesn't really matter. We're just open to, you know, giving you guys what you want. The rival fantasy community, we want to make sure that you guys are being supplied with the content that you're looking for. Other than that, we might as well go ahead and start the show. We might as well not make you wait any longer. Again, subscribe, like, comment. Comments is where it's at. Every single week, we're popping down there. We respond to every comment. As long as you don't say nothing crazy, I got to be honest, sometimes we get crazy comments down there. If you say something crazy that I don't respond, congratulations, you won. You are one of the comments that I do not respond to uh, just because you're getting a little too reckless down there. And I'm not going to partake in it. I'm not going to partake in it. So keep it positive. You know, keep it question orientated or, you know, any anything, you know, just common sense in the comments and I will make sure I respond. You get crazy. You get reckless. You get too reckless for me. Which that takes some that takes some real work. You get too regular for me, I ain't responding. Otherwise, I will be responding to you. Let's go ahead and jump in. Topic number one. It's not very often that you hear football players of all sports, right? We look at football as like the most roughest, you know, toughest sport, if you will, in terms of physicality, and you know, in terms of intensity, in terms of you know, damage to the body. In, in terms of all these things, and not to say that other sports are not tough, but football definitely up there with boxing, MMA, you know, jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts, wrestling, all those kind of things. You got to put football up there in the mix, right? Like maybe right behind those. And so you don't typically hear football players complaining about, you know, physical things or this is hard. Or, this is too tough or, you know, they're too aggressive. But recently headlines were made. Uh, in Washington of some players complaining according to their head coach. And so let's go ahead. I'm just going to pull up some things. We're going to read some things. We're going to listen to some things. And then we're going to talk about it as we always do. The first thing I want to pull up just so we kind of create some context and you know kind of make sense of it all is this. Ron Rivera was asked about the new offensive coordinator in Washington, Eric Bieniemy, And this is what he had to say. Someone said, have players had to adapt to Eric's intensity and have they any struggles with it at times? Yeah, they have. And one of the biggest things is I had a number of guys come to me and I said, hey, just go talk to him. I said, understand what he's trying to get across to you. I think as they go and they talk and they listen to him, it's been enlightening for a lot of these guys. I mean, it's a whole different approach. Again, you're getting a different kind of player from the players back in the past, especially in light of how things are coming out of college football. So a lot of these young guys, they do struggle with certain things. And a lot of it is from where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys coming from other programs aren't as much. So us as a coach, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and it's not going to change because he believes in it. Jack Del Rio 
has his approach. Having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try to figure guys out a little bit more as opposed to, hey, this is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff. Eric hasn't had that experience yet. When someone said, when they came to you, it's just they felt like Eric was riding them too hard. Well, um, they were just a little concerned. <laughs> All right. So let's start with this first. We got some players, some some crybaby players who are going to the head coach and saying, hey, we don't like the way Eric, Coach Biennemi, is coaching us. We think that maybe he's being a little too aggressive. Maybe he's cursing at us. He's yelling at us. He's not treating us like we want to be treated. He doesn't treat us with the kind of respect that we're looking for. You know, this is this is the stuff they're saying. Now, you will hear players say things, and I tend to believe when a player says something like, it's not as fun to play in New England, you know, with, with Belichick. I tend to believe that's what he's talking about, stuff like that, where he does, you know, players don't like the strictness, the coach yelling at them, the coach, you know, constantly going over all these errors and sometimes yelling and making it really aggressive. They mean the tight ship that Belichick runs in New England, but also just, you know, his aggression, his his way of expressing that he's not happy, he's not going to let it go, he's not going to, you know, just be passive about it. He's going to constantly remind them that they're doing bad. Some people don't respond well to that, so they complain about it, they don't like it. In this case, the enemy you know, it's apparently aggressive. He's in their face. He's telling them we demand excellence, this kind of stuff. And so it's bothering some of the players. The hilarious fact of all this is that Washington is not a good football team or it hasn't been in history, right? Like recent history, just Washington hasn't been that great. They have not been the winners that they need to be in Washington. And so you bring in a guy like this, like Biennemi, to coach He's, he's won Super Bowls. He's coached, you know, guys like Patrick Mahomes. You didn't hear these kind of complaints out of them in Kansas City. So then the question becomes, did the organization just not discuss it publicly, which shouldn't be happening? Did the players just not complain publicly or complain to their head coach? Possibly, right? More, more, like, more than likely, some players there also didn't like it, you know, that much. But at the end of the day, everything else was happening. Everything else was winning. And so you don't really complain too much. Again, similar to New England. When you're winning, nobody complains. If you're losing, people start complaining. However, I do want to show it. They actually asked the enemy this like today. They asked him about, you know, Ron Rivera saying these things and what, you know, his opinion it was. And I want to share that exact clip. It's only I'm only going to go like maybe a minute or two into it, but I want you to just kind of see how he responds to what they're asking him. So let's go ahead and just play this really quick. So before it even goes anywhere, I make it the point to address the conversation because one thing my job is to be a very observant. I, I got to know the people that I'm discussing and, uh, and working with. So my job is to address. If there's something that they may have an issue with, please, let's discuss this. Here's the reason why I felt a certain way. Here's why I said it. Now, okay, I put it back on the player. And you got to understand, we're in a grown man's business. We're in a grown man's world. My job is to make sure that I'm doing the best possible job of over-communicating clarity. I take a tremendous amount of pride in that. They also know when I'm getting on them, ain't nothing personal. What's personal is that I want us to win. I expect that particular player to be great at all times. I expect the effort to be a standard that's uh, accepted by... Let me just stop this for a second. So you see what he's saying. He he has a standard, that standard. He does not allow anything to get below it. So if you're not performing up to the standard, his job is to coach you. His job is to make sure you do things a certain way. He's been hired to do so. And if you don't meet that standard, he has an issue with it. And he's going to let you know about it. I don't see what we're crying about. You get paid a lot of money to do a job. Any job you go to, there's a standard. Any job that you don't do what you know is being asked of you, someone's going to say something to you, right? That's the way this works. That's the way any job works. If it's not happening at your job, it might not be a good enough job because anytime you go below the expectations of a job, you're typically going to be sp spoken to about it. So let's continue. By all of us. So when you're not reaching that, it's my job to address it. So sometimes they may like the highlights and the praise, but sometimes they may not like it. And I'm perfectly fine with that because that's my job. Because if I ain't doing my job, my ass get fired. So it's my job and my responsibility to make sure that I'm getting our guys to do what I expect them to do. There you go. You, you just, you know, when a coach talks like this, I'm glad he, you know, defended himself, that he, 
you know, spoke his piece on it in terms of what, you know, what is basically happening and why this is even being brought up again. This should not be brought up, right? Like this should not even be spoken about. Ron Rivera should never mention it. He did turn around and like sort of apologize for it. So he put his foot in his mouth. You know, he shouldn't have did what he did in terms of, you know, speaking out about it. But what's done is done. So like the damage is done in terms of, you know, him, him saying that the media asking about it, you know, players having this outlet now to like openly complain or whatever, you, however you may want to look at it. And so this caused conversation, of course, from players that are currently on his team, former players, all that kind of stuff. So I want to dig into some of that. Uh, I think that some of these quotes, some of these, you know, things that were posted on Twitter are interesting and deserve a little bit of spotlight. Again, Ron Rivera brought this to attention, so we're going to cover it all. First one here from J.P. Finlay. Cool story from Matt Derrick. Back in 2013, when Kansas City hired Eric Bieniemy, Jamal Charles went to Andy Reid and said he couldn't stand uh, EB. By the end of Charles's career, he credited with EB for making him a better player. Again, this is how every situation works in life, right? Like, no one likes to be criticized or you know receive harsh feedback or be spoken to in a way you know, by somebody who's kind of given, I look at it sort of as tough love. You know what I mean? Uh, kids don't like when their parents talk to them like that, but sometimes you got to, right? Like sometimes you instill confidence. Sometimes you, you know, reward or, you know, heat praise on people. And then sometimes you try other approaches, right? And sometimes you're a little more aggressive about it. Sometimes you say, Hey, you know, depending on what you're dealing with here, right? This is a job. So not, you know, it's different than having a kid, but you know, Everything is different. Everything is, you know, requires context to understand how it is. But some people just have a hard line approach to things. I don't think there's a wrong or right way to do things. I think everybody responds differently to things. And guys who are, uh, I don't want to knock anybody in terms of saying like someone's a lesser of a, you know, a character or, or they're, you know, weaker emotions or anything like that. But everyone needs to learn how to respond to tough criticism, to tough feedback. Right. Like we, everyone, everyone can't be handled with kid gloves. Some people just don't approach life that way. They just don't, you know, approach giving you feedback that way or, or requesting things of you in that manner. And so we have to be flexible and adjust and be OK with handling it from any kind of style of delivery. No one likes to be yelled at. Right. Like, let's not get this wrong. No one no one wants to hear, you know, they're doing bad and be yelled at or, you know, cursed at or, or whatever it is. But it's a part of life. Right. And the more you're making and doing what you're doing, you got to kind of give in a little bit. Right. Like if you're making millions of dollars, I think you can handle a couple of curse words. Right. I think I think you can handle that. You're doing a job that requires elite level ability. You're not working just any job. You're not just at any, you know, any business out there. You're in a particular business that requires a very high level of production for success. And if you're not meeting it, you know, it just kind of is what it is. You have to, you know, do the right thing here. Some other um, interesting tweets that I wanted to share. I thought, you know, provided good context. Uh, Ty Hill, Tyreek Hill put, man, there is no other coach that has your back like EB. Take that coaching and get better. We've all been through it. It's tough, but I promise you it'll make you better. And then Jamal Charles retweeted it. I love EB. I know he coached different, but I know one thing he could take, he could take you to another level too. He could take another level, though. So, you know, these kind of things are, are players speaking up in favor, right? In favor of EB. They're all calling him EB. He's not my friend. He's not my coach. And I'm going to call him EB, too, since clearly that's what everybody's calling him. Okay? I'm going to act like I know the guy for a second here. I, another another um, tweet here worth, you know, sharing and looking at from uh, Nikki here. Eric Bieniemy, when he got hired, said, I'm going to be their biggest and harshest critic, but also understand I'm going to be their number one fan because I support them at all times. Again, this kind of feels like how you approach your kids, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or employees that you love or, you know, just, you know, friends. Like, I'm going to be your harshest critic. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be honest with you. And I like for me, I, I prefer that approach. I prefer you to be real, to be honest. And whether it's harsh, you know, sometimes it's got to be harsh. Right. Because you can tell me something one way, but I don't maybe not respond to it. I might not take it as seriously. I may not act on it quick enough. But if you say it another way, I'm like, oh, this man is about he's being serious. She's serious about this. He's serious about this. You know I mean, so I think there's definitely value in it. And at the same time, he's going to be your number one fan. Right. Because he supports you at all times. And that's the big part here. That's the big, 
you know, caveat, you can't just blast people. You can't just tear them down. You're also going to have to support them, right? So he's doing, as long as he's doing both, I don't see an issue with it. If he was just doing one-sided the whole time, he's like Mr. Negativity, then, you know, then it's a little hard to defend. But if you're doing both sides of it, then I get it. I get it then at that point. Another tweet here. Again, JP Finlay, NBCS. Talk with Antonio Gibson about what it's like playing for EB. You know he wants the best for you. That's why he gets on you. A lot of insight in this interview. It's a good interview. If you want to watch it, go check it out. You can just go to JP's on Twitter. Actually, on X. My bad. I, I still call it Twitter. I can't help it. It is a part of my brain at this point, the way I you know, refer to it as Twitter. I have, to, I have not adjusted to calling it X at this point. <laughs> I have not made the switch to X. I haven't practiced like this since I've been in the NFL. That's probably going to help us in the long run. I'm probably in the best shape I've been in a long while. Sometimes you need somebody to get into you. It just helps you. Again, this is a uh, message from Antonio Gibson um, from, you know, another interview. Again, lots of support here. I did see, uh, I want to say, uh, who was it? Shady. Shady McCoy did do some appearances on some shows or some interviews. Uh, and he did say that he didn't like EB's way of, uh, you know, coaching. I believe that's I believe that's what he meant, right? Like he didn't like it. That's the way I interpreted what he was saying, that he felt like that he understands it gets the results and, and it works, but that he feels like maybe he's a little outdated with some of the ways that he approaches coaching. He's kind of juggling both sides of it there as well. But at the end of the day, he thinks that EB could get a little more with the times in terms of how he coaches. Another clip that I wanted to share, because I thought this was also interesting, um, was Terry McLaurin when uh, meeting Eric for the first time. Uh, I think it was at like a press conference for when he was, uh, you know, joined the team. And so I thought this was interesting what he said here. Let me bring this up for you guys. Yeah, I love I love what you talk about about strain and your expectations, and I don't I don't think you'll have an issue with that with this group. I don't think we really had an issue with effort, but I think that's important. That, I like that you said that. You know what I mean? And that's what it's about. You know, I know all about strain. I know. You know, I see it every yeah, day. Yeah, and that's why you that's why you're here in this situation yes, right now. And I'm gonna lean on you. Most definitely. Okay? Most definitely. Yes, sir. But I just appreciate you being here. Most definitely. Most definitely. We're going to spend some time together. Yes, sir. We'll get this thing going. Yes, sir. When it's illegal to start talking about it. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that because I don't mind being coached hard. I want those honest conversations and I want to be a part of the championship. Yes, sir. I I want to taste that. You know what I mean? I think you have some great guys in here. Sorry. Some of us just need to get a little bit more nasty. Yeah. Yeah, come on. That's what I'm talking about. So we'll be all right. All right. You see that there where he says some of them just need to get a little more nasty. Right. And this is what I'm talking about. Like he wants his coaching to rub off on them. His quote unquote nasty, his rough, tough love, his tough coaching style. He wants it to rub off on these guys. And and you can't argue. I mean, it's worked everywhere he's went. If you don't want to give him credit for it, you know, that's your thing. Right. But clearly it's worked. Clearly the Chiefs had no problem with it, you know, as they're winning championships. And so I, I man, Terry McLaurin was, you know, great here as well. Like, it's hard not to like McLaurin. I love McLaurin. As far as, far as you know, not just from a fantasy fo- football aspect, I think he's a great wide receiver. He's done a lot with, you know, not the greatest quarterbacks at the helm. And so he should flourish in this offense. He's the opinion I really care about, right? Him, Antonio Gibson, guys who have been there for a few years, guys who are produced in this offense, not in, in, in EB's offense, but in general in an offense that has struggled overall to win games, but they've done well. They've had their you know, their, their moments. And so I doubt it's McLaurin, you know, complaining to Ron Rivera. I doubt it's Antonio Gibson complaining because we've seen both of them now, you know, McLaurin here saying, yeah, I do want the tough coach and I don't mind it. You know what I mean? And we've seen Antonio Gibson saying, Hey, I understand where he's coming from with the tough coaching. So who is complaining? Is it rookies? Is it guys who are, you know, in Washington for the first time? I have no clue. I don't, I don't know who's complaining, but it definitely, you know, isn't a good look. You know, toughen up, man. Whoever's doing that, if you want to win games, that ain't the way to do it. Here is the um, quote from Ron Rivera the day after. He said, I basically told him that I put my foot in my mouth. I think what I said wasn't as clear as it needed to be. I think understanding of it is just the fact that I think everybody's making it, in my opinion, a little bit more than needs to be made of this. 
because again, the results are what you're looking for in the field. And so far, the last couple of days have been outstanding. I think Eric has done a great job of communicating his message. Now that the guys have opened up, talked with him. He's opened up to them. It's been a ba great bit of growth the last couple of days that the guys are starting to, you know, show. So to have aha moments, as he as he says here. So, okay, that's cool. You, you didn't need to bring it up in the first place publicly, right? Like that didn't really do any good. Maybe it did. Maybe he pulled the scab off something that he felt wasn't adjusting any other way. So maybe if he brought the media into it, it would help. I don't know. One of the big things here, and I mentioned it earlier, is that Washington has not been a good football team. I don't know if you guys can see this here, but eight and eight last season, seven and 10 before that, seven and nine before that, three and 13 before that. Like these are just not good numbers seven and nine, seven and nine, eight and seven, nine and seven, four and 12, three and 13. Who is complaining on this team? You're not in a position to complain. You're just, it just, you just haven't been that good. So what are you complaining about? Obviously what was happening wasn't working. We've talked about this in the past on this show that when new coaches come in, they're there for a reason because the old way wasn't working. So clearly there needs to be a change of pace here. Clearly there needs to be a different approach here. Clearly there needs to be different play calling here. You bring in a coach who has won Super Bowls, who has done things his way consistently for a long time. You can't cry about it. You can't complain about it. You can't, you know, I don't like the approach. I don't like how he's talking to us. Why is he cursing at me? If you don't like it, just go ahead and request a trade or something because EB ain't going nowhere. They brought him in to win. They're looking for a change of pace here, a change of culture here. I believe that it's going to work. I believe what EB does there in Washington will work. I actually am not down on this offense. I think that he's going to do some creative things there, some fun things there, and they have some you know really good players, especially, again, fancy purposes. I'm all in on Terry McLaurin. I'm all in on Jahan Dotson. I like Antonio Gibson as a you know sneaky play in PPR. The quarterback situation, we'll see how it plays out. Logan Thomas, if he can stay healthy, I like him. Not mad at it. Players just need to toughen up, you know, get a grip. Realize, hey, this isn't supposed to be easy. It's not how it works. To be great, to be the best, to be a GOAT, it ain't easy. It's going to come with that tough criticism. It's going to come with players cursing at you, coaches cursing at you, people not happy with you. And then you get over it. You're a grown-ass man. Stop crying and complaining and looking for someone to help you, you know, be treated with kid gloves and just get through it. Work. Put in the work. Get your paycheck. Be happy. Have fun. Win games. You got one of the best jobs on earth. And stay healthy. That's the most important, obviously, your body, your, your you know, your, your quality of life afterwards. Just have fun. Focus on your health. Focus on staying healthy being productive, winning games, getting better every day, get paid a whole lot of money in the meantime, get the paychecks, and just get, you know, just get through it. You'll be better for it, and when they start winning, if they start winning, you'll never hear these complaints again. These are the complaints of teams who have not been winners, who don't have the winning culture yet. It's trying to be set in place. You just got to go with it. You just got to go with it. It is the way it is. And if it doesn't work out in a year or two, like EB said, I'll be fired. He'll be out of there. And then you can find a softer coach that makes you happy. <laughs> I'm curious what you guys think. I, this is a very debated topic, right? Like how coaches speak to players and how players are coached. I'm curious. Right now, people listening, are you more on the side of the player who was complaining or players who were complaining that, you know, EB is being too tough on them, too aggressive, cursing, doing these kind of things, or do you agree with me, with EB, with a lot of others who believe that, hey, it's tough love, it's tough coaching, it has to be done. Some people just have to get pushed to that next level. Hold you accountable, it makes you responsible, it makes you not want to be the guy getting called out, it makes you not want to make those mistakes. Unfortunately, whether you like it or not, it leads to better work, you know, production, better perfection in what you do. You can't be perfect, but it makes you better. But I'm curious which side you guys are on in that. Are, are you on the side that EB is just going too hard? That's old school, shouldn't do it no more? Or do you think, hey, this is, has proven to work? And until it shows that it doesn't work, you know, you allow him to keep doing it. Which side do you want? Let me know in the comments. Again, if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, 
then it's going to have to be like Twitter, Instagram, one of the social media platforms that we're on. Hit us up there. If you're not following already, it's at Rival Fantasy on all platforms. But again, the YouTube comments, even if you don't watch on YouTube and you just listen, just find the episode, subscribe on there, subscribe to the show so it's easy to find. Then once you're there, just go into the episode comments and leave a comment. You don't have to watch the video. I know some people are like at work or in their car. They don't want to kind of watch while they're working or watch while they're driving. Clearly, you don't have to do that, please. But just in general, you know, the comments might be the easiest on YouTube. So jump in there and uh, we'll mix it up in there and we'll talk about it. We'll continue the conversation there. Let's go ahead and jump into topic number two. All right, the next topic here is a big topic because Netflix recently dropped a documentary about Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel, you know, obviously a college hero, superstar in college. Got drafted way too early in the NFL, did not do well, was a bust in many people's eyes. And this documentary was very interesting. I actually enjoyed it. I watched it. There's a lot of fun tweets here, a lot of interest and things that were discussed on there that, you know, either some people knew about, some people didn't know about, one that actually fooled me, right? One one rumor about Johnny Manziel coming up was exposed on this documentary, if you will. And we'll get to that in just a second here. Let me go ahead and start pulling up some things here so we can talk about it. Again, first things first, uh, Johnny Manziel was going to fail a drug test. This was at the Combine. So his dad was ready to do the only thing he could do, fake a heart attack. So if you watch the documentary, his agent says, you know, Johnny calls him, says, hey, man, I don't think I'm going to pass this drug test. I think we have an issue here. And so the agent's like, okay, we're going to have your mom, your dad go fake a heart attack or fake heart issues or whatever the case may be. And then you're going to be able to leave the combine. It won't look strange because you went there and then had to leave for an emergency. And this way we don't get you drug tested. This was literally something they were going to do. This documentary helped expose a lot of like the background things that happened in order to try to you know, make a player look in a positive light, make a player look like, you know, the guy you want to draft number one in the draft. This stuff probably happens less now just because we are over-reporting on everything nowadays. Reporters are not slacking in terms of the information they gather. And so these things wouldn't skate by as easily as they did back then. That's one of the more eye-opening things about this documentary was how many things were actually getting by that people did not know about. So I find it interesting that, you know, we didn't know about these things and that they weren't being, you know, explained. No, no one was doing the research, if you will, to find out these things, to know these things. Like I was unaware of some of the things that were actually being talked about in this documentary. And that's not often the case, especially with sports documentaries. A lot of this stuff, we know all the details for the most part. And, you know, we're just kind of watching it to watch it, to kind of relive it and everything. But there were some things popping up on this one that were, uh, you know, uh, Bust in the, the, the myth for me. <laughs> this Tony Grassi tweet to think the Browns literally chased Brian Hoyer out of his hometown, playing the best football of his life to make Johnny Manziel the man. God, there are no words to describe how wrong and unjust that was. I'm not the biggest Brian Hoyer fan in terms of ability, in terms of, you know, being a franchise quarterback. So I'm not necessarily going to bite into the narrative that, you know, they ran Brian Hoyer out of town and that's such a horrible thing. It is a horrible thing that they drafted Johnny Manziel where they did and made that mistake, right? So you could have put any placeholder in the name of Brian Hoyer for me, and it still wouldn't have made sense because Johnny Manziel was just an obviously bad choice from the jump, right? So, and there was plenty of skeptics at the time who would have said that to you, who would have told you that, and we're saying that. So it's not like that's a surprising narrative in terms of it's just not being a good pick, right? And so that's one of those picks where, man, you don't want to be the GM or coach or anybody to have to live with that one because that's never going to look good. Also, this here uh, from Dove Kleiman, former football star Johnny Manziel opens up about planning to commit suicide after finding out he's bipolar. I got diagnosed as bipolar. I felt it was the same as being called an alcoholic or a drug addict. Spent as much money as I possibly could, and then my plan was to take my life. Months prior, I went and bought a gun I knew I was going to use. He shared all this on the documentary. He kind of went into depth on all this and explained it. This is also kind of creating a little bit of a narrative in terms of, you know, how we are approaching this conversation. This comes up a lot of times with players who do not live up to, you know, the expectations here. Michael Hoff says, I don't understand why not watching film is the big social media takeaway from the Johnny Manziel documentary. It ought to be the mental health aspect how scary it can be living in your own head along with the self-destructive tendencies. Again, this is the mental health aspect that's being brought up and talked about a lot in this, you know, situation. And it's just, it's part of the story, right? Even Mike Evans, his former teammate said, you know, I, kn I know a lot about 
Johnny most of the things in that documentary I knew about already. I didn't know he tried to, you know, commit suicide or wanted to commit suicide. So the mental health aspect is a kind of a it's kind of a weird topic because obviously everyone has, you know, feelings for people who have who are going through those kind of things. It's not easy. We all support, you know, mental health in terms of, you know, talk to therapists, get therapy, speak to people. You're not alone. These are all very important. Check on your friends, check on your family members, even the people who you think are, you know, super strong and super happy. This is all real, right? No one's doubting that. But there are some people who I see on social media who are like, you know, he's just really a brat. He's spoiled. Uh, He's not being accountable for his actions. He's not being responsible for himself. He's, you know, using this as an out. You know, I mean, that's up to you if you want to take that choice, you know, in, in that path of thought in terms of this. I mean, obviously, if someone says they're struggling with these kind of things, you're best to just take it serious in terms of what they're saying and that, you know, take it that they're being honest about it. Certainly, Someone could use it as a crutch, but how would you ever really know? You wouldn't really know, so it's hard to, you know, hard to make that determination unless you know the person one-on-one, like you're it's a close family member or close friend, and you, like, know it's not real for some other sort of reason, like too many other experiences, too many other proof that it's not. Again, it's just hard to ever get to a point where you're like, he's not being accountable, right? It, he's being bi- He's calling himself bipolar. It's not real. I mean, you could, it could be both, right? Like they could have some mental health struggles. They could have these other kind of situations going on, but they can also not be accountable enough. They can also be struggling because of their own actions. It could be both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. So it's just a, you know, tight rope to walk across to, uh, you know, to, to make that claim and that argument. Again, your choice. The big myth that I said that this actually did bust for me is this one here. I actually honestly did not hear this until this documentary. And I believe it is the first time that anyone provided clarity on it. Uh, Turns out Johnny Manziel didn't come from an oil inheritance. His college buddy just made that up as a way to hide all the autograph money they were making at Texas A&M. And we all believed it. See, I'm not the only one. I believe this. I always believe this. That he came from a bunch of money, his family had money from oil inheritance, and that that's why he was so well off, that's why he was rich and hanging out with celebrities and doing all these things while in college. Come to find out, Johnny Manziel was making bank off autographs. The funny thing is, it wasn't that much money in comparison to what the, the college was making off him, right? What all the different industries were making off of his name, his jersey, his likeness. This is why it's a good thing that NIL has happened. Imagine... Johnny Manziel in the time of NIL. Imagine if they had it when he was at Texas A&M. What? Johnny Manziel would have really been super rich. Johnny Manziel would have done so well in NIL that he wouldn't have even needed to go to the NFL. It wouldn't even have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered that he went and was a bust. Because he would have made so much money prior to ever getting into the league, as he rightfully should, in that situation when the college is getting rich off you. They, they damn near built a whole new stadium off this guy's, you know, jersey sales, off off the donations that, you know, uh, you know, people were given because of him. And he wasn't getting nothing. So he's out here signing jerseys. I'm not mad at that. By the way, I have no issue with players who did that back in that time when NIL wasn't available and players weren't able to make money while at college, I have no issue with him doing stuff like that. So I'm not judging him for that. No issue at all. None whatsoever. A funny thing that did come out of this was the, what what, what I kind of alluded to there was the film aspect of it, right? That he wasn't watching film. This was a funny part of the documentary where, uh, his agent is talking. His agent came on there super like animated and, you know, telling these great stories. But basically, you know, the agent gets contacted and they're like, hey, Johnny hasn't studied any of the film. We gave him an iPad and he hasn't watched any film. And the agent's like, come on, man, he's got to have watched some film. And they're like, trust us. It shows zero hours. He has not even turned it on. <laughs> and he actually like in the documentary was like zero. Like he was confirming it. Like, yeah, I zero i did not watch any film again this is a fascinating part about you know guys like johnny manzel and it also makes it interesting to think that you know this guy wasn't watching film in high school probably wasn't watching film in college and he was still flourishing still a straight up baller it just shows you how much the jump is from you know college level high school college nfl it's off the screen 
It's just a different game. You can't go with the elite of the elite and not study like the elite, not perform like the elite. If you want to hang with the elite at the elite level, it just ain't going to cut it. And that just shows how much dramatic difference there is from college to the NFL. In college, this dude was drinking, partying, girls, you know, getting arrested, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You know he wasn't watching no film. If he wasn't watching film in the NFL, he wasn't watching film in college. And the man was balling. And they got to the NFL and just couldn't cut it. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's just a good reminder of the jump and competition and skill and ability needed to make it to the next level in the NFL, the highest level. The highest level. I do want to bring up this old tweet from Johnny Manziel to kind of end this thing. Well, it's not a tweet from him, but a quote. This was back in 2014 uh, for Johnny Manziel. It's about action. It's about being accountable and doing what I'm going to say instead of looking like a jackass. That was Johnny Manziel. It's up to you whether you think Johnny Manziel looks like a jackass right now. You know, after you watch the documentary, go watch it. Go watch it on Netflix. I think it's like an hour long. It's not too long. Could have made it longer, honestly, and told a longer story, probably. Johnny Manziel can make a movie about his life at this point, but go on there, watch it, and then tell me, do you come away with the feeling that Johnny Manziel is being accountable and responsible for what he's done and what he says he's going to do and improving his life? Or do you feel like, are you one of those ones who have the feeling that he's not being accountable, he's being this spoiled guy, this, you know, whatever you want to call him, that, you know, there's some people who, you know, just don't like Johnny Manziel. I think he's a bad dude, like he's an asshole. And so do you come away from this still thinking that? Or do you think like, oh, man, I feel bad for the guy. I think he is, you know, trying to turn over a new leaf, trying to improve his life and trying to make things better. Let us know in the comments. Let's go on to topic number three. Last topic, I don't want to waste too much time on it because it's just a headline that I wanted to share because it's a story. It's kind of a close to a chapter or a story. And it's also just a good lesson to kind of re, you know, reestablish, re-go over here in terms of, you know, the situation. And it sucks. It's a sad, it's a sad situation all around. There's nothing positive that's going to come away from this. But I just want to, you know, hopefully the positive is that someone, it opens someone's eye, right? It wakes somebody up. It lets somebody be out there accountable for their actions and go, man, maybe I need to stop doing what I'm doing. If you haven't caught on to what I'm talking about here, this tweet should help. Vic Tafer, former Raider Henry Ruggs III, was sentenced to three to ten years in prison. Henry Ruggs, you guys know I've said it many times, and unless you're a first-time watcher, you don't know this, but I'm a Raiders fan. And this is bigger than football, obviously, but this is something that did impact a lot of people. From the woman whose car he hit and killed, her dog, he had his girlfriend in the car, she survived, but I'm sure it altered her life. It clearly altered his life, right? Because we're talking about prison time and he killed somebody. Not, and then, you know, the conversation comes to, was it intentional? Obviously, he wasn't out to kill somebody, but he made decisions and choices that, you know, he deliberately did and he killed somebody. So you can't, you know, negate that. It affected the Raiders, it affected the organization, the community, his teammates, because he was going to have a good career. So this is a good reminder, I think, for those out there, not just athletes, but anyone who is doing something at a high level, anybody who is doing something where they take a lot of pride in what they're doing, they work really hard at it, they spend a lot of their life trying to you know, reach this goal, and how easily, off of one bad decision, you could alter it forever. We're talking about a young man who, by all accounts, was a, a good guy. A lot of people liked him. He played well in college, went to the pros, was getting his feet under him, and was starting to find a stride, makes one bad decision. Who knows how many times he did this, of course, and it finally caught up with him, but made one bad decision. It cost someone their life, it caused a lot of pain and hurt for their family, a lot of pain and hurt for his family, and ended his career, Right? Now, he may not spend all 10 years in jail. He may just spend the three or whatever the case is. I'm not going to get into like the, the law side of it all. But it's just it's this terrible story. It's a terrible story no matter how you slice it. 
Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Devonta Smith missed practice today because he was in Las Vegas for Henry Ruggs sentencing. The Alabama Brotherhood is different. This is from Nick Perkins. Again, it's good to see that he has support still, that he has friends still who are, you know, by his side. While obviously he's not the victim here, he's the one who caused it. He is still a victim in, in, in a sense, in a terms of, you know, he's going to suffer for it. Not that he's a victim, but he's going to suffer for what he did. He's going to pay for what he did. And so he still has people who stand by him, of course. They're his friends, and there's people who just are like that. I don't know if I was in that situation how I'd feel in terms of I, – I don't ever want to be in a situation, obviously, where I have to face, you know, that kind of situation. But I do always wonder, you know, how, how I would feel about a situation where if someone did something terrible that was close to me, could I still support them like that? Could I still, you know, love them the same? Could I still show the same compassion? I don't know, man. That's a tough one. That's really tough. But Devonta Smith obviously didn't care. He obviously still loves his friends, still supports his friend, and took time away from work. Didn't care about the criticism that may come with it because there are people out here who will, who will, you know, judge you for everything you do in terms of even supporting your friend who did something horrible. So, you know, you know, I can't judge either one of them, obviously, in terms of whether I would do that or not. I just, I, it did bring the conversation to myself on would I do that? You know what I mean, would I, you know, be the guy to support someone after something horrible like that? I don't know. I don't know. Also, Henry Ruggs issued an apology this morning to Tina Tintor's family for the pain and suffering they have endured. He said, I let my family, my teammates, and those who believed in me down with my actions, and I hurt so many. He also apologized to her family, which, of course, this is all semantics. It may be something for him that brings some type of peace, or, you know, I doubt I doubt it will, but it's something that you still feel like you have to do, you should do. It does bring some sort of, I'm sure, level of peace. I don't know how the family responded to it. I didn't see all that. But in this clip, he did apologize to them. And again, to his teammates, his family, everyone who loves him, all that kind of stuff. This is something he's going to have to live with, right? Like, it's not just the, the jail time. It's having to live with this forever. The criticism, the people staring at you, the dirty looks, the people who hate you for it, the family you left in pain forever, the fact that you cannot you know, play the sports you love. I don't know how he makes a living going forward. I don't know if he made enough money in that short period of time to make a living. I think the Raiders were fighting for that money back. So I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but there's just hurt and pain all around for something so stupid that could have been avoided. And, and again, I bring this topic up just because I think it's a, it's a deep topic. It's one that needs to be spoken on. If it just touches one person, switches one person's mind, helps one person make a different decision. It doesn't have to be drinking and driving. It doesn't have to be that. There's plenty of other, you know, reasons that, you know, things that you could do that can cause something like this to happen, right? And, um, you know, I just thought it was, you know, worth talking about here today on the show. Obviously, in the comments section, I'm not looking for sympathy for Henry Ruggs. I'm not looking for anyone to say anything nice about Henry Ruggs. I assume people will say nasty things about Henry Ruggs, that he got what he deserved. That's not nasty. That's just a fact. Um, we, a weird part of this that I did want to just bring up really quick. I just thought it was so out there. Anytime there's a new story, there's always something that happens, right? Where you're like, what? Like, where did this come from? And one of the things I wasn't expecting when this was announced was OJ Simpson talking. OJ Simpson said the three to 10 years wasn't enough for the sentence for Henry Ruggs. The math doesn't add up. It's not really about Henry Ruggs here. He doesn't really care, right? That's not what it's about. You can wear this however you want. It's not what it's about. He put, I know I went to college on a football scholarship, but somehow this math is not adding up to me. You're driving a car roughly 160 miles per hour on a public street, end up killing a girl and her dog, and you get three to 10 years. If you just read this, it looks like, oh, you know, he wants him to be harsher on Henry Ruggs. That's, that's fair. He's upset what Henry Ruggs did. That's not it. He literally then went on to say, all I did was go into a hotel room that I was invited to to redeem my own property. And I got longer than that. So this headline doesn't totally get everything, the full picture, because it's not really like, oh, Henry Ruggs isn't charged with enough time here. I'm upset. I'm upset that Henry Ruggs didn't get enough time. He did something horrible. It's more about, I got more than Henry Ruggs and I'm not happy. That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how it works. Every case is different. Maybe you think he should get more time, but we're not, we're not relating cases here. But this does happen a lot, right? Like I've seen a lot of people talk about Tory Lanes and all these kind of things. 
you know, whether you think the three to 10 years is fair, I have no clue. Again, I don't know the laws there. Clearly they're, they're going by the law here somewhere. I'm sure he could have got much more time. I think at one point I seen it up to like 50 years or something. So yeah, there's gonna be people who aren't happy with this, right? I mean, this is the way our country works. Obviously you go to court, there's a judge, they make a choice and you just go with it. I don't know anything about how long this like could have possibly been or what it should have been. I'm sure I'll hear about it in the comments that, you know, three to 10 years wasn't enough. And, you know, when we think about, well, at least when I think about, you know, uh, prison time, when I see like three to 10 years, I just assume the guy's going to do three or five. Like, I don't think they're ever going to do the whole 10. That's how I look at it. I could be wrong here, but that's how I look at it when I see, you know, sentences like that. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Well, we know how it plays out. There's nothing to see at this point. However, again, the message to get across here, the message to get across is don't make decisions that you don't have to make that could put yourself or other people or your family or someone else's family or that, you know, your, your job or anybody in harm's way, if you can avoid it, something like this was totally avoidable, 100% totally avoidable. And that's what makes it, that's what makes everybody mad. That's what makes, that's what pisses people off is that this did not have to happen. Number one, you didn't need to drink that much. Number two, if you're going to have someone else drive, there's plenty of car services you could have called. They all could have did it. So you just did stupid thing after stupid thing after stupid thing after stupid thing. And so that's what really pisses people off because your stupid decisions cause a lot of pain, suffering, and loss for a lot of people. You don't ever want to see something like this happen again. Of course we will because the world's not perfect and people don't make the perfect choices all the time. But this is the kind of stuff, if we can avoid it, we avoid it at all costs. It's just the close of a chapter. So I wanted to talk about it, try to get that message across. Again, if we could just touch one person with this message and re and, and make one person just change their, you know, bad decision one time, who knows how, how much that affects down the line. But as always, at Rival Fantasy Sports here, we're always going to talk about topics, you know, about sports. Of course, we're going to cover fantasy sports, DFS, you know, basketball, baseball, football. We're not going to stop. We're not going to limit ourselves. But at the same time, Sports are a big, big part of culture, part of our lives. And it gets way deeper than just the football, the field, and the touchdowns, and the catch, and the run, and the and the home run, and the, and the three-pointer. It's life, right? Sports correlate with life a lot. And so these kind of topics have to be discussed. They get under-discussed sometimes. Everyone wants to talk about either the positive or, you know, the highlights. But here at Rival Fantasy, we're going to touch on every topic, no matter how small, no matter how deep. Of course, if it makes it into the top three, you know, topics of the week, I feel like it's super important, and so I felt like this was just a good topic to touch on. Again, if you have anything to add to this conversation about this topic, feel free to drop it in the comments. Before we end the show today, I do want to remind you guys that Rival Fantasy Sports is, of course, brought to you by Rival Fantasy Sports. This podcast, this show is brought to you by Rival Fantasy Sports. Rival Fantasy Sports has a website that you can access on your desktop, on your laptop, whatever it is, or you can use the app, Rival Fantasy Sports app in the App Store. You just search it up. And you will find it. The great news is, since we talked about NFL all day today, I thought we might as well mention that. Now, I know it is the preseason, so the options aren't necessarily always, you know, the most enticing because it's just preseason, right? So the guys that are going to pop up on here, you know, you're not going to get your Devontae Adams, your, you know, Amonra, St. Brown, your Saquon Barkley. They're not going to play in the preseason, so you don't really see them here for preseason, but we wanted to get this action on here for you guys. You can also just do in the search box, create a social challenge. This way it's a little easier than skipping through the challenges, especially for preseason. Uh, you can go on there and just create the challenge yourself, send it out on social, send it out on Twitter, send it out wherever you want to. You also have fantasy bingo, which is available right now for NFL. Yes, you can create a roster right now for fantasy bingo for the NFL. So you go on there, you create your card. You guys know I've showed it to you before if you've watched any episodes. Uh, when you play it, this is what you're looking for. You're looking to do stuff like this. Four in a corner, you're trying to hit there. You're trying to hit, you know, diagonal five in a row or down or across. And you win money off of the lineup that you pick and the achievements that you're trying to hit. It's really fun. It's really unique to Rival Fantasy. So you want to get on there. You want to play this. It's the only place you can play it is Rival Fantasy Sports. You get on there and do that. You also have Fantasy Book. MLB season right now, we got Fantasy Book. You just go ahead and pick anywhere from two to five players, pick the over, the under, bet your amount down here, one to $10. You can win up to $100 on there if you're picking five players and you're betting 10. Really fun game. Something that people are more familiar with probably, you know? And then the last thing I want to talk about is season long, which is not here yet. Right now you can do mock drafts on here. 
You could do mock drafts. You can get in there and mock draft, practice for your, you know, your drafts that are coming up. It's really fun. It's a great tool. I like using it. I go on there and just randomly mock draft or I, you know, send it to people and say, hey, you want to mock draft me really quick? I'm going to do a live mock draft. I repeat, I'm going to do a live mock draft on YouTube here. And I want you to join me. Hit me up. If, if you want to do the mock draft with me, hit me up on social or drop it in the comments. Si- let me know you signed up for Rival. Give me your username. Actually, you don't have to give me your username, but just if you sign up for Rival, I'll give you the date and time that we're going to go live. And you can actually just claim a spot. I'll also, when I go live, give everyone you know a couple minutes to actually join me if they want to fill up a spot. All you got to do is go in there and claim a spot here at the top. Then you guys can do it with me or I'll just mock draft on myself and have a great time speaking with you guys and chopping it up in the comments. That is it for Rival Fantasy Sports. Again, we have a promo code down there in the description. Down there, there, there. Get down there. Use that Use that link. And when you sign up and you make your first deposit, they will deposit match up to $200. And you'll get a free $25 voucher. Who's giving you a $200 deposit match? Up to $200. You can just do $25, $50, whatever you want. But who's giving you up to $200 deposit matches? Who's giving you a free $25 on top of it? Get on there. Use the link down in my description so you don't so you get the best deal. I want to make sure you get the best deal. Use the link down there in the description. Sign up. Make your first deposit. Get that deposit match. Get that free $25 voucher. And you're in there. I appreciate you guys for joining me. As always, if you made it this far, I appreciate you more than you can understand. It means the world to me. So thank you very much. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. I love talking with you guys every single week down there in the comments or on social. It's also fun there. Twitter's probably the space we chop it up the most besides the comments below. Otherwise, if Instagram's your thing, TikTok, whatever it is, it's at Rival Fantasy. You can join us there. Again, live draft, live mock draft incoming. We'll talk about season long and things like that that are also coming for Rival Fantasy. A lot of exciting stuff. All right, guys, that's it. I am out. Enjoy the rest of your day, night, weekend, whenever you're watching this. I don't know. I never know when you guys are watching it. It's not live. It's recorded. So I'm not sure when you're watching this. But either way, whatever part of your day you're in, have a great one. I appreciate you. Rival Fantasy Sports. I'm Neil. We're out. Oh, 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 o